This episode of The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by Half Day. If you played in the Stinger, our annual member guest, you may remember the Half Day CBD Closest to the Pin Hickory Challenge. Now, through the link in our show notes, you can visit their full line of hemp-derived CBD products, and with the use of the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. I'll be back a little later in the show to share my personal experiences with Half Day. And if you're curious about the benefits of CBD for yourself, I encourage you guys to check them out. Um, how are you uh, feeling about becoming a dad? How's, how's that going? Hey, actually, uh, I feel better about two books that I ordered. I ran into a guy who... Um, I used to hang out with in the younger days. And if anyone, like if you, he's like the guy that just shouldn't be a dad, you know, early. He, you, just, yeah. you just said like, okay, he lives that life. Like it le- and definitely not until he's 45 and you know, he's mid thirties, just had uh, his first and he's got a second on the way. And I started talking to him and he goes, yeah, it's a, it's a change. And, and he recommended two books and I go, all right, if this, if these two books can get this guy to be a father, I, I got to have these books. I have to, I have to invest. So he's the, he's the Vince Vaughn from old school dad. That's the type, right? You just nailed that guy. You just, ready to, uh, ready to party, but has some responsibilities as well. Yeah. Got to sell some mattresses <laughs> and, you know, get the kid to soccer practice. But yeah, he's. He's a character, but no, thank you. It's going, I'm, I'm getting there. I think mentally the, the, the timing of it is helping. I think it's going to be the golf season wraps up. Things slow down for new club baby arrives. So, uh, did you used to like to go out at night? Was that, was that part of your thing growing up, growing up, meaning your, your twenties? Is this your podcast? Are you hosting? Are we flipping? (laughs) (laughs) I, I felt the natural transition into, uh, it just flipped. Glorifying our former lives. Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, I was that guy. Um, I guess I asked because where you live, I used to go out a lot. I used to, uh, I used to go to. Uh, now I'm blanking on it, but it, it was right on the corner of Lincoln and Sedgwick and Orleans. Uh, Stanley's. I used to go to Stanley's. Oh, Stanley's. And I used to go to Stanley's and look around for Eddie Vedder. Hopefully, this was the night I was going to run into him and. Uh, you know, ask him this to, you know, blurt out, ask him to sing a song, probably one that's not appropriate. Did you ever see him? Never saw him, but, um, uh, no, I never saw him only in concert, only at the United center once. But, um, I did get, I get, I did get stuck seeing a Pearl jam song at a karaoke with some, with like a, on a couple's night out. It, if you don't, if you haven't listened to all the lyrics, there are definitely some great songs to avoid because it's just like, I I would not, yeah, for for ease of entertainment and uh, avoid failure, I wouldn't recommend a Pearl Jam song. The <laughs> songs are about some some people in some dark places. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah. karaoke gives you a chance to uh, go line by line and really yeah. assess. You know, you know who I saw in the basement, the basement at Stanley's. Most people don't know there's a basement. There is. They open it on occasion. Uh, we stumbled down there one night, and um, what's I believe his name is Jeff Garland, the oh agent, yeah, the agent uh, from Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, Larry David's buddy. Yeah, we saw him sitting there, just belly laughing, just <laughs> pounding pops. 
I've seen that he performs at the Lincoln Park West. I've seen his name on the on the board there. That must have been it. He gets his gig in and heads down to the basement of Stanley's. Where were your other spots? So were you a party guy then? Uh, yeah, I was. We're on the I podcast, by the way. I'm just going. That's fine. <laughs> I don't have anything to hide. Um, yeah, I used to go out till like 6 a.m. You're a 6 a.m. guy, huh? So what was your Sometimes for like two, for like two years. It was, but it it gets really old, I think. And before before you turned, before you turned 48, 46 and 47, (laughs) you're the 6 a.m. guy. Yeah, I was, I was a, yeah, late night guy. Um, I used to go to Corcoran's a lot. I used to like to go to comedy shows at, uh, at the second city there and that uh, adjacent, those adjacent uh, stages that they have there. A lot of, uh, I met Chris Red there, so who's on SNL now. Oh, yeah, nice. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just a great place. A lot of people just working on their material, a lot of people just grinding it out, and, you know, You're, it's, a, it's a long road. Not, not to set the bar too high for the remainder of the podcast, but you are regarded as one of the funniest people within New Club. Uh, is I, your, that's a nice thing for you to say. Is it, did you ever pursue comedy uh, beyond just uh, being a fan, going to shows? Did you ever try to get up on the other side of it? Uh, never too seriously. I did take some classes at the Second City, which was, and then at the IO Theater for a brief time. I, I just, there are these things in life that I come across that I just decide I want to learn. And then I've, you know, I was able to do it. So I actually got work to, pay for it at the start as like professional development. And, um, it was really, it was just a great way to learn the very basics of how a story is put together. Cause you see it, you see the basics of what you can learn in improv in every piece of content on every platform you might subscribe to. So, um, that's how I met Chandler. He was writing Chandler's an actual comedian. He puts in actual work and puts pen to paper and that's, that's no joke because it's not just like writing a poem or, or like some free form blog post where you can just ramble on for however many words you're trying to fit it in to a very set, you know, you know, thing. It's not, there has to be a structure or else you're, you're, you're lost. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, scripts, TV scripts, movie scripts, they all have a very set structure, which I didn't really realize, but, when you think about the business element of, of this, there's so much, this stuff has been templatized and you know, it's not easy to always fit into that, into that role. But um, it was a really, I never did theater growing up. I was always more into sports and um, I just found it really interesting to explore that part of uh, my brain, I guess. And um, it's, it's been a good skill. I I feel like you, uh, if you can try that out, you can get over a lot of uh, any, misgivings shortcomings about presenting or you know you know worrying about not closing a sale or things like that so um do, do people ever ask you uh because I, I took a couple classes and and loved it got appreciation for it but uh dropped it and i feel like everyone always asks um did you take any oh you're in chicago do you take improv classes and i say yeah and they're like why'd you stop or did you like it i say yes and i said well why'd you stop so do you, do you get that a lot do people ask you why you're no supposed to be a funny guy? No one asks me why I stop, but I stop because you do get to the point. So the second city is, is a fine business and a, and a fine entertainment product. And, um, 
but the you go through like five classes that are maybe eight weeks long and you don't necessarily progress they kind of just let you you know get shots up get your laugh line you know (laughs) shoot your shot for your laugh line which uh, but then if you go on to something like the IO theater, you're going to do things a lot more in depth and you're going to actually, there's more of like a set curriculum that advances you, but you eventually get into people who are trying to do this for a living. And they like, you really have to, I feel like you have to really live it. And by live it, I mean, you need to be playing with a group multiple times a week. You need to be going to shows multiple times a week and just observing. And um, it's much, it's a much different world than the business world or, you know, so if you have trouble like shifting from these two worlds, it can be a little much. And it's also a very late night thing. So sometimes, uh, sometimes people don't start playing. I, I went to a few open, uh, I guess it's an open gym, but it was like at the playground theater at Belmont in Halstead. And it's just like, they're happy to go till 2 AM just performing and then they'll want to have drinks after, but yeah. that's on a Tuesday night. So yeah. If you've got a you've got a job where they expect you to be professional it can be it can be difficult so and yeah. it just like you, there are people that wanted to you know book commercials and you know maybe move to Los Angeles and um that that was the the reason I It dropped. was more than just like a, 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 it wasn't people for doing it for fun it was doing yeah. it for a career so I just I felt like I was you know not even close to putting in the time and you know Right Cause it is, um, it is fun when I, and this goes to the late nights, I had such an adrenaline rush from just doing class. Like we weren't even in front of a stage. It was just on stage, you know, doing yes and all night. And then I couldn't go to sleep. I just couldn't come down. It was insane. So I understand like, uh, why people live that life because there is such a, um, adrenaline rush that you get from it or an endorphin hit or something. And, uh, and, and I couldn't go, I couldn't get to sleep till like four or 5 AM. And then I got to get up at six 30 and get into my desk job. It was like, all right, this isn't, <laughs> I got, I got to pick a road and I wasn't that good at it. I, I was, I got, I, it was so hard to be really, really good at it. Those people are just talented, talented. And so, you know, I went back to the desk jockey. It is, and it's it's especially jarring if you walk home through Old Town Triangle after because it's dead quiet and you're just in your thoughts. And I actually like not to be morbid, but I could I could see why people there are comics who suffer from depression because there is this like you know it's it's like any time you you know take drugs or something it's there's the high and then there's the low and those lows can get very high or you know those lows can get very low if if you keep riding riding that wave so so much so uh, much for the lighthearted podcast episode i was hoping for bill but that's, this hey. episode is uh, brought to you by talkspace <laughs> talkspace actually sponsors uh talking sopranos i don't know if we're allowed to talk about other podcasts on here uh yeah we don't like it we frown upon it but that's okay we'll let it ride. we'll let it slide it's not a not another golf podcast but i, I find that particularly well well fitted with the uh, you know, the psych psychiatrist uh, theme of, of Sopranos yeah. psychiatrist storyline. Yeah. Uh, so let's get, get to a little golf. Um, is, do you get that endorphin rush at all from your golf game? Yeah. Golf has always been my favorite sport. I, I started caddying at a white Eagle country club in Naperville when I was 12. Um, 
And then I went to, I caddied from, at Stonebridge from when I was 13 up until basically through college. Um, and that's where I, you know, really got into the game. Um, just, just being around the clubs, you know, I'd like memorize all the clubs. I'd read all the equipment. I was like just obsessed with all the, all the stuff back then. I would like read the reviews, you know, like reviews? I, just reviews of golf, golf club reviews and like golf magazine, you know, where they'd review the new equipment. I was like just super into clubs and stuff and medals. <laughs> um, I was really cool in seventh grade. Can you tell? <laughs> no, I was just, you know, it, and yeah. So, you know, once you start caddying and learning the game, you, you want to play more and, yeah. So I, you know, I was just like totally into it all through high school and it helped like it was the tiger era, you know, it's perfectly coincided. I, uh, started high school in 99 and graduated in 03. So, you know, right when tiger was, that was it. That was actually, uh, my first trip to Medina was the 99 PGA. So, Ooh, um, we were talking, I was about on that today, man, that I feel like, Everyone around our age bracket, if you watch that tournament, you were hooked into golf. Sergio running around trees. Tiger hit that two-iron stinger to like three feet from 262. I saw the play today. Uh, that was a good I one. Think, I think I was – I remember leaving that tournament because I was so nervous because I knew tryouts started like the Wednesday after. And I was just like you – know, I was moving to a new high school. I didn't know anyone from middle school. I was coming from a different middle school. So I was like – and it was, you know, much bigger. My my class size was over ten times what my eighth grade class was. So, um, good memories. Yeah, high school golf is definitely, I think, underappreciated at the time. But you know, no matter what you shot, if you if you ended, you know, winning the state title or you ended, you know, crashing out in, in sectionals. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, was that was your your story? Yeah. I actually, I remember parking the car and say it ain't so by Weezer was playing like, and I turned the car off and then I got back in the car and was still playing. I was like, Oh, this is, I actually remember that morning. I was like, Oh, this, this could be bad foreshadowing. But, uh, <laughs> say it ain't so. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it is great uh, album, but maybe, yeah, maybe not something to jack you up before your, your sectional. Why did we get, you know, I, I look back on it. Were you a nervous golfer in high school? Oh yeah. I was totally, my life was totally out of sync, like so out of balance, so out of balance. And I would, that's what I would advise any, I don't want to give out parenting advice. Cause that's, you know, that was going to be the I, whole, the whole second half of this podcast. What do I know? Your parenting advice. Personally, I was so, my entire sense of self-worth was derived from how I played <laughs> and you know, I didn't have enough friends. I, you know, well, you read about Tiger and he's like, all he did was play. So it's like, that's what I got to do. So, you know, you'd skip social events. You just want to play and practice and, you know, work on your short game till, till the sun went down. Um, I also worked at Mistwood. So while nice. I was cat, so I'd go down there and play down there. Um, great so you, course. You listed some um, of the, some of the new club staples. We'll be at uh, Stonebridge for our upcoming the stinger event. Or I've got to come back for that. Actually, my, my brother, I was going to bring my brother out cause he caddied as well, but we've had almost entirely great memories caddying at Stonebridge, but um, it's a, um, well, I'll reserve my thoughts on the court. What, what do you think of that golf course? 
of Stoneman. You grew up caddying there. What, what's your take on it? I, I honestly, I'm so, I can't assess it like a normal, like I would assess going to merit club for the first time. I really can't because I remember the time I almost had to break up a fist fight on the ninth green and I ran in <laughs> to tell the pro and he's like, don't involve me. He's okay. still a, well, I don't, yeah. Well, what was the I cause? What was pro. the cause? Well, the head you, pro. you don't have to name pros. You don't have to name members. Uh, call them whatever you want, but tell what, what instigated this? <laughs> well, because right now, um, what, actually, right now, virally, there's I'm, I'm seeing like on, I don't know, Instagram, search, whatever, Twitter, there's like so many uh, country club fights that are being posted. I don't know if people are losing their mind around COVID, but I've seen like five in the last week. So what was your interaction with? We, with should, we should earmark that for later because I, I do have a okay. top, I do have some some good ones. But uh, this was warranted. I was catting for the guy who was the uh, the person who, who made the error. And um, he had either won the year before or won this year. I don't remember, but um, it was, how well do you feel like, you know, the course so I, far? Me? Don't well. Really, really well. Yeah. Okay. From just, yeah, so just nine. He was there. on. Yeah. So he was uh, hitting his approach shot on nine and he, he starts setting up behind the ball on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Long par five water on the left. Yep. Definitely reachable if the wind is from the Southwest, but much harder if it comes from the Northeast. But, um, he, you know, stood behind his ball as many do looking down the line. And then he seemed to walk up to his ball, but then he stomped down directly behind the ball as if to almost, you know, like literally right behind, you know, if you were on a, so, you know, I, I haven't kept up with the rules. I know they've made rule changes mostly to, speed up pace of play and make it more simple. But at the time I know that to be, I, I think I knew that to be not true. So uh, yeah, he was playing and he was playing in a group with uh, Stonebridge's version of Ty Webb at the time, a, you know, a single digit multi-time club champion. I'm sure his name's listed in the locker room and he called him out. And I think I was up the fairway and, but it was getting heated back there. Definitely, you know, real heated and it progressed to the green and it just started to get real, real chippy and, you know, things escalated and it was the end of a nine hole match. So thank goodness we didn't have to like suffer through the a back nine with, with that tension. Cause, um, so, but, uh, were there any swings? Did it, did it go to blows or no? No, you're, you're such swings. a good mediator that you could you you balked backed them both off the ledge. It did not devolve to that bar fight following like the club championship, which I'm sure you've seen. It's definitely in either Europe or Australia. Uh, I'm gonna go South Africa, judge, oh, okay. judging by well, a- accents, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I I'm probably not paying close enough attention to detail because I I could spot a South African accent if I if I listen closely. Um, but yeah, if someone gets punched in the bar and he's like instantly like they like revoke his membership. I, I felt like so. Just, um, just a punch, you know. It's a it's a hug in some cultures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can't no, you I can't mean, assess courses that you you've been the caddy at you, or that you've had so I, much I, emotional tie to. I went back a couple of years ago. My my best friend's family is still a member there, and we just played. And I think the greens are in excellent shape. And, you know, judging by their advertising on social media, it looks like the most amazing course ever. I think, I think 18 is a fantastic finishing hole. Um, it's just, there is something to bite off. There's water to bite off no matter how far you hit it. 
you know, um, I think you really like it because the T placement, there are T boxes that really change the way the holes played. Cause one challenges you to take, to bite off more of that pond with a very steep hill that you, you know, basically if you hit the hill, you're in the water. If you hit it, if you hit land on top of the hill, you're going to get like 50 yards of roll. Um, but then there's another T box that's over to the left. And it's more of a straight on hole. So I've yeah. noticed you like to do that with your holes, which I think is very cool. So, um, in the tournaments that you've set up, um, you know, they've lost a lot of trees. So that's, I guess that's disappointing. It's like different to see, but, um, you know, got to get that airflow for the greens to grow. Right. It, it, you got it. Yeah. It's always one of the, the best conditioning golf courses. And I, I, I like it. I mean, I think a lot of the architecture, uh, enthusiasts kind of like to, to shit on the Foz. Um, you know, the Foz, he's got good stuff. It's, it's not maybe the, um, um, most intriguing of, of, you know, layouts all the time. But I think, I think that's one of his better ones because of the land actually, like, even though, you know, you have to block out some of the housing around you, which obviously takes away from the ambiance, but it's got some sweet Hills and, and, you know, Chicago golf's only like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes away from there. And like that whole area, if you pay attention when you're getting off the highway, there's just a lot of cool little rolling mounds and, and Hills and, and the golf course has a lot of that. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's always, uh, it's always a treat. I, I don't, I like it, but I I don't, uh, I don't have the, the recollections of brawls, you know, on the ninth green, which would probably add to the experience. Probably would, you know, my first, the, my first loop, a guy made me stand in the water in my shoe to get his ball. Uh, I was like another, and it never happened again. It was my first loop ever. (laughs) I probably, I probably caddied there six or 700 times. He made you stand in the water. Yeah, I wanted to take my shoe off. He's like, no, just go. I mean, this is like a old timer. Yeah. Do you think he was? He was. He was. An, an he was Mister. He's Mister. I've got to be out in the first group. I'm walking and carrying, and we're playing in three fifteen, and we're gonna tell everyone how fast we played, <laughs> and and tell every kid even though to, we know you're in the first group, and tell every kid to get in get in the water with his shoes on. That's pretty um, jacked. That's actually messed up. That that seems kind of cruel and unusual to me. I'm sure it wouldn't fly these days, but in uh, 1997, it was still probably uh, PC for, uh, you know, but um, it's funny too, because there are members I remember who I feel like I've turned into. There was one guy who wore headphones and had to play really fast so he could get back to coach's kid's team. And I'm totally into that. Like, I'm totally falling into that. Like, yeah, you're that guy. I need to play in three and a half. I need to be out first thing in the morning and I don't mind listening to a podcast. Like, it's not a big deal to me. I, I, I'd classify you in that ballpark. Speaking of the, the kids, I know you, uh, you're a great father. I guess we could make the rest of this thing about your, your fathering tips. Um, cause you can just tell, but, uh, but you're a staple at the Friday skins game, but you always jet out at a certain time because, uh, I, know I would this, stay. I know you would. And we would all love for you to stay cause this, the story time gets good, but you have another story time you got to get to. You, you take a lot of pride in, in your story time with your kiddos, don't you? Um, I think just I've worked from home since, um, my son was born in, uh, September 17. And then we moved to, uh, we moved, uh, to Ukrainian village in February of 18. And then he, um, my wife works in Evanston, actually not far from canal shores. She's, uh, she taught kindergarten. She's doing first grade this year. Um, but, um, I just got in the habit of picking them up. Uh, from daycare was a nice way to kind of cut out at 4:30 every day, which is one of the 
I'd say perks of working for yourself and working from home or both is like, no one's really, you know, watching the door to see who stays till five 30. So, you know, I'd pick them up, we'd go to the park and kind of hang out. And, uh, you know, the story stuff is, um, you know, I think if I think back, speaking of like no balance in high school, like just another way I could have like generated some sense of self-worth was probably like be creative and get into film and, and whatnot. So, you know, you hope that, uh, creativity can, you know, I, I just would want to push a kid into being creative if, you know, that's his thing. So, yeah. um, so, um, because your, your stories kind of take a different, it might be the same book every other night or whatever, but I, th- I think he told us that you like to, Oh my God, you know, did, maybe, I, did maybe I take some cre- creative, uh, 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 liberties on the I better start taking, I'm going to start taking Uber home then. Um, <laughs> um, but you make, up stories, right? driver. you make up stories, right? You make up stories. Yeah. So these books, these books have, you know, a few lines of dialogue, but there might be eight to 10 characters on the page and you can create a scene. It's, you know, or you can have them talk and add extra dialogue if you want, if you're the type of person who wants to, you know, just come up with a character and, you know, um, I think yeah, you can have fun with it. I, you can I, have fun with it and just, it's, you know, it's not for everyone, but you know, it spices up an otherwise uh, routine and, and, you know, I, I, just, I think what's, <laughs> I just hope like down the road, your kids are, you know, socializing with, with other teenagers or, or 20 year olds at college or whatever. And, you know, maybe they're being nostalgic talking about the, whatever construction site, Carl book that all the kids grew up with at the time. Oh, yeah. And then, and then your kids are just sitting there going, what are they, that's not how it went at all. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, Carl had a friend named, Francisco and and he was the one that was always driving the car. <laughs> it's uh Dragons Love Tacos is really is really one of the better ones for that. I'm going to uh I'm going to gift that to you and then you'll you'll start to see what I mean, but uh Dragons like Love Tacos. I love it. Right in that town. And Dragons Love Tacos too. There was a sequel. So uh both are both are pretty good. Well, the kids really like them. I have some issues with the story and the plot. It's it's a little choppy. Um <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity to, to nitpick children's books, but uh, then again, you know, consider the target audience. I, I'm in this world now and, and we were walking through bye bye baby because we have our, ours on the way. And uh, I saw like Jimmy Fallon has a kid's book. Uh, there was like other celebrity, like it was all, there was like a section of celebrity kids books. And I'm like, what? I know I want like the the authority on kids' books to be celebrity like, my money books. grabs. Yeah, I, I saw those there. Yeah, stay away from those. You think? No, you know the J- Jimmy Fallon one isn't bad. Um, okay. It's I think uh, I think it's got good illustration. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, okay. My kids don't my kids don't hate it, but um, it, it's probably on the like very starter books because there's maybe one word per page. There's not a whole lot of. Uh, it's more about identifying some of the uh, the staples of, of the farm animal community and some of the staples of the, uh, you know, for, not for deep rainforest, like frogs and alligators, you know. Okay. Start, Nothing start, too mythical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start, don't go into like, uh, you know, the Gryffindors and, and that stuff comes later. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, that stuff comes later. Are are you big on? I know we got a lot of parents in new club trying to introduce their kids to the game. Are you uh, are you there yet? Are you thinking about that? Do you care? 
my kid is almost three and he doesn't really like to take instruction from me. So I have a putting green in the basement, just a simple rollout thing that, you know, I use from time to time. And, um, he doesn't want to, uh, doesn't really want to like let me hold him and show him how to do it. He just wants to do it himself. So I'm not too concerned. I mean, will they be in a golf? Maybe, uh, you don't, you don't want them to tie their, their self-worth to their high school golf scores. I don't think so. I think we need to go back to three sport athletes and more diversification of interests. I don't think the specialization, not to get political, but you know, like some of these countries, um, they pick these kids so early at like age 11, they tell them like, Oh, you're tall. Now you're going to play basketball, you know? So I don't think that's really, I don't agree with that. I I, I don't think that's really my definition of freedom. Um, so, you know, I just, Try different things, I, I'd say. You know, maybe he'll get into golf. I mean, it kind of depends. Yeah. Like, I was, I had clubs. I can remember playing Zigfield Troy in Woodridge for my ninth birthday. And I wore a Greg Norman hat, which I still have, which is uh, a good piece of, for the ensemble. Uh, I'm, I'd hope to see some in the new club store, actually, for uh, like this the, holiday season. Like the... Um, the shark, uh, the white wicker hat. Like, wicker, wicker, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can do that. I, 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 we can, we can, we can do that. That was the fakest implicit agreement I've ever heard. That was, that was great. No, I was trying but to think, you know, anyone other than the Norman and what came to mind, we were just talking about tiger 1994 tiger, uh, TPC us amateur. It was on my YouTube feed the other day. And I noticed that he was wearing that big, ridiculous Greg Norman hat. I was like, huh, that's yeah. a look for tiger. Yeah. I, th- I think it was very much, you know, I'm the best player in the world, early nineties vibe, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was Norman's time. My shirts don't have to fit and I can wear whatever hat I want. Cause I'm just going to beat you. <laughs> is he known for a, as a baggy sleeve shirt guy? Uh, it, well, he was so damn skinny at that time. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, everything he wore looked baggy, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it dress, dress code, you actually, did you, you on the sunrise stableford you guys were rocking matched gear um i i don't know why i just didn't assume that you would be a matchy kind of guy it was so funny because we we're Ch- chandler and i and uh chandler's went to college with my aforementioned friend who grew up at stonebridge and i was just like one day you're caddying for the guys with the matching tommy bahama shirts kind of mm-hmm calling him a dork behind the back. And then you wake up the next day and you're so excited to go to your event and with your matching outfit, like that was probably the highlight of July, I'd say. Yeah. Um, well, you guys owned it. Well, you guys look comfortable in your own skin. It, it, and it was a designer. It looked like something that you would have got. It looked like a very fitted version of something that you would have picked up at the thrift store. <laughs> Um, I really don't ever buy clothes. So that's I, probably how I decided, like no big deal. So I, I, I really don't. I, I, you know, I've got golf shirts from a long, long time ago. So, yeah. Um, um, uh, I wanted to, yeah, talk- I don't know. We just, we kind of just Chandler and I just kind of like started talking about it and, you know, yes. And, you know, that sort of stuff. And, uh, Hey, well, uh, I'll tell you what, David Schaefer and I have something set up for the member member. So a little, a little we're, we're excited huh? for it. It coincides with another sporting event that's kicking off that day. So we're excited to uh, come out and have a good time. Oh, interesting. September 12th. That's probably the U S open, right? 
should I should I? I'm trying I mean, to decode it. I'm already trying. Team sport. Oh, team sport. Okay. Team sport. All right, we'll figure, we'll, we'll we'll just we'll leave that as a cliffhanger for this one. <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to turn up to the rumble to see uh, the the matching outfits. Um, you know, I think it's possible you're too nice a guy, Bill, because I was thinking about this. I and, don't know about that. No, I think so. I think he, I, <laughs> I think, appreciate the compliment, but well, here's why. Here's why I said because everybody that plays with you, you know, the first thing they they always say after round one, the reviews are great. You know, but then they say, man, that Bill Colbert, what a guy, like what a great guy. And what actually crossed my mind when we finally, you know, got to plays was, um, uh, what a golfer, what a player, you know, you got a lot of game dude. And I don't, I don't think you get the respect you, you made a run at the club championship last year. Uh, and, and everyone was just focusing on, on what a great guy you are and what a good hang it is afterwards. But I mean, your, your golf game is, it seems to be, um, more than serviceable wouldn't you wouldn't you agree yeah i mean i you know when i was when my life was completely out of whack and the only way i could you know like get really excited was if i you know shot 78 you know that was a good score i mean i was like a five handicap in high school you know and just that feeling of your short game is like actually sharp not just like variations of dull as you know there's no time to practice now so um you know, there are times, there's actually like the less I practice, I can kind of find it faster. And then if I play consecutive days, I like fall in these ruts and stuff. But that was just a nice day, I think, because there was no expectation. I thought I was going to play nine holes and go home. So, um, you know, my, it, 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 I don't know what happened, but um, that was, that was an amazing day of golf. And I just, uh, um, yeah, I guess I just found enough. I was able to get around with irons. That's kind of my thing. I'm much better with irons. And I, as anyone who's noticed, I like, I don't think I'm swinging hard. I just, this is just like, you know, but I guess I swing hard and that's, you know, <laughs> just how I play. I can't really dial it back. It's not really my thing. Um, I guess if I have to, I'll, you know, choke down a little bit, but I've never been able to kind of just swing easy so uh you know I, I can get a lot of trouble off the tee and there i was able to kind of get around with iron and uh you know really play the percentages as you get older and start to understand about like what risk management really means you know let's say you start investing or you know just in general like if i just have two beers tonight i re- greatly reduce the risk of like using my phone after midnight <laughs> yeah that is adulting you know You're so right. you apply it's kind it to, of golf. to golf yeah well, you were, I couldn't, I couldn't process any of this in high school, you know, but, um, and plus you want to play like you, you want to play like VJ Singh or you just want to hit driver and bomb it down there and, you know, Oh, I'll just hit a wedge onto the green from wherever. But, you know, if you, if you think about actually playing smart as an adult, you can start to, you know, play, ab- play above your, play above your head a little bit. So. Yeah. I think as you get, that's, that's actually really true. Cause obviously as you get older, you deal with more, um, you know, little aches and pains, but the, the wisdom can't be understated, right? The, the awareness of, you know, knowing just what you said about, you know, your driver, you know that and you play to it and, and, you know, that saves at least three or four shots over probably your younger self. Yeah. So where's um, the, where's the speed come from though? Because like, I, I wasn't going to say you swing hard. I, I, I don't think you do, but you have a lot of speed and you're a bigger, you know, taller guy. Um, 
is that, are you doing like uh, rotational workouts in your basement? What, what are you doing to get all that, that swing speed? Bryson, you drinking all, protein shakes? <laughs> um, no protein shakes. I, I have gotten, uh, I have committed to fitness. I, I got a really poor cholesterol score on my life insurance a couple years ago. And I was just like, I, you know, I can't, can't be having this low score. And then we moved, we moved in uh, to Ukrainian village and there was a CrossFit gym real close. And I said, you know, I've always kind of wondered what it would be like to learn these different Olympic style lifts and stuff, which, um, so I went and, you know, I really liked it. So I kept doing it and, um, it took a long time to be able to work out even three days a week. Cause you know, you're sore. Um, but I just kept at it and it's, it's actually a lot like golf. It's a, it's a, it's a singular movement you do over and over. You work on your form and you can, you can actually constantly improve and quantify it. Golf's a little more high and low. So, um, I've, I've gravitated to these solo uh, skill games. You know, I was into boxing for a little bit. Um, no fighting, just, you know, <laughs> hitting the bag and, and, uh, you know, mentally managing off any fights, you know, would be fights you might get into at, a, at an establishment. Um, that could, that could come in handy. Cause we're going to, you know, one of the skills challenges at the, the member guest out at Stonebridge is a, a fight on the ninth green. We're going to let guys <laughs> go ninth it, green. So. Watch out for the railroad ties by the, by the water. <laughs> They're slippery. Um, uh, that, that would be funny. Um, did, uh, so a lot of solo pursuits, what do you think it is about, um, those individual sports and, and things that, that appeal to you? I don't know. I think you can just work on them and get better. I, um, I'm not like a, a Tim Ferriss loyalist or any sort of like, I'm not a perfectionist or anything, but I like to just try new things. And, you know, what if there are muscles on your body you went your whole life, like never really using or like understanding how they work. It's, you know, do you, I, I didn't necessarily, you know, I wanted to just see what it be, would be like to, uh, you know, perform an Olympic, you know, a clean and jerk or, or a snatch, you know, and it's a fun hobby and it activates different muscles in your body. And I don't know if it helps with golf. I think it makes my hips kind of tight. It makes it, I don't feel like I'm in great rhythm right now, <laughs> which was part of my frustration at, at the, uh, the Stableford. I was, you know, but, uh, Hey, you know, diversified, right. All my self-worth is no longer tied to how I perform. So Right. You make a little progress in the gym and you don't feel as bad about uh how you suck at golf anymore. Just just get uh get on the yoga mat to balance that out. I like yoga. I, I've I don't practice with any uh consistency, but um it's definitely uh that's what one of my wife my when we started dating, it was one of our first activities. So, you know, couples activities, core power. Not, it was it was good right there on uh it, pretty close to you right on north avenue and um and uh oh yeah and um uh, clark street there there was there was one so that's a that's um, a that's a big time for first date second date just like consistent like this oh, is yeah, our thing yeah. that we do so uh we, we don't go anymore <laughs> kids we don't have any activities that. no we have a few but <laughs> um the kids i mean two kids is is plenty of activity so for sure. And, and late and late bars and getting out to your, uh, your 6am sessions, right? Dad, daddy needs to party. We talked, we talked earlier, I think before the podcast started, which we really didn't have an official start, 
But uh, what we, I was Josh and I, one of my buddies is being like a Vince Vaughn dad. Uh, if you, what, what kind of dad would you put yourself? Like, is there a, a t- TV or a, a movie dad that you would? That's a good like? question. Um, I, uh, I, I, I want to make it clear. I do not hit my kids. I'm not into that. I just don't, I spanked my kid once. I just felt really bad. And I knew I didn't want to be a spanker. Um, but I, I think it's important for kids to know, like they will hit you. And I think it's, and I don't, I don't, again, I don't hit them, but I want them to know that if you hit someone in life, like you could very easily be punched in the face back. Like that's, you know, you need to learn that fairly early on and, and understand it and respect that, you know, if you have a problem with someone on the street and this won't happen for these kids cause they'll never actually see anyone again. It'll all be through zoom for their whole life. Um, <laughs> but you know, you just need to, you just need to understand like there's a consequence for everything you do. And if, you know, I, so I tickle them if they like try to slap me, I can tickle them under their arm, you know? So, which is, which to a child is far worse than a punch in the face. <laughs> tickle. Well, like you know, you just need to worst. understand that if you extend yourself physically or, you know, emotionally in life, there's, you are vulnerable in some way and you need to learn to uh, just be aware of that. I think. So I'll be right back. The door just opened. All right. All right, picking picking back up. Say hi to Mark because we're gonna have to edit that out. Hi, Mark. <laughs> uh, I say that's a good life lesson. Um, there there are consequences to to things, and and children need to know. You know, I was I was thinking of it in terms of golf not that long ago about um, this invincibility that I thought I had when I was young, and it was really delusional, you know. But it it helped to a point and then it totally hurt and, and it kind of goes with your like, golf game or with your life in general probably probably both honestly where like how this, old were you when you said you how old would you were you when you would say you you had this this starting like like uh no it's like the teens the teen years you know 13 to 16 um you know actually even beyond even beyond probably 18 but then but then like you get punched in the face on the golf in golf terms it'd be like um you know just things you didn't think could happen to you just started happening to you right whether it was like you know couldn't chip you're blading everything over the green or you get the yips of the putter and and then that inf- invincibility goes away and then you have like zero confidence and you know that you're fallible but then there's like a whole swing back on the other side where you're just going to be stronger because you're aware of your, you know, weaknesses and what you need to work on and, and things like that. Um, so you're just getting started early with, with the kiddos. It's gonna, they, they need it. I wish someone would have, would have, you know, given me the proverbial, you know, punch in the nose. When I, needed it. I, I, I was, it's a tickle. It's an underarm. It's a tickle. tickle. Sorry. Sorry. The proverbial, tickle. proverbial tickle under the arm. Um, so I don't know if any of these lessons are, are hitting home or not. I mean, it's, uh, I guess it's remained to be seen, but, uh, you know, I, I stick, I, I don't, I didn't read too many books. I, I stacked, you know, I stacked them next to my bed and I, I noticed them as I turned the light off, but I, I didn't, you know, crack them open, but you know, I think there are some basics hopefully that, uh, most people can rely on. It's a really low bar to add value. Like it's a really low bar to add value. 
How so? Tying your shoe, being able to tie someone's shoes for them is like very valuable. Yeah. So it's just like Velcro. That's what's so sad about, you know, so many kids that, you know, don't have good parenting. The, the, The bar is so incredibly low to add value. Like, you know, you can explain to them how a, what a cloud in the sky is and they learn something. And that takes, you know, basically no effort. But um, Interesting. Speaking, of, speaking of children and, and those who may act like children, can we talk about pro golf and, and just these personalities that are out on the tour? I was, I was going there. I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on the state of things. I, <laughs> I wonder if it's because social media makes it so easy for it so many different golfers from all around the world to share their impressions of these guys' personalities. But, um, and maybe it's that I am like right in the middle of the age group. Like I'm, I'll be 36 in October. That's basically middle age for a PGA tour player. Would you say? Yeah. That's not, yeah. 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 So, you know, when you're growing up, it's hard to assess. Um, it's hard to assess like how an adult, players personality might be compared to other adults so um but um where does like where does the things that brooks kepka says where 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 is it like being confident and being a a, a jerk like what's the line there because i want to really like the guy i don't i really love his game i love the way he hits a driver but i don't know i mean he (laughs) he seems like kind of a dick lately and i just um yeah well i i like anything why did everybody start loving him was it because of those things that he said you know like at the usga and i think like i think it's weird that people loved him for the same behavior that they now hate him does that make sense totally i think they liked him because he he had a no fucks attitude to start and he like played better at majors and he was open about that yeah, yeah, like, he was open about it. We, we, we all thought that like the PGA regular events are a joke. He was actually kind of saying it, and and now that he keeps like going down this path, it's like, all right, man, like now you're just kind of. I a, think a the McElroy comment that McElroy is not a rival of mine was sort of like my turning point with him because I just don't think that you know, you act like golf was invented in 2015, you know. Yeah. So Jack Nicholas is not a rival because he didn't win any majors since you've been on tour. That's, I mean, he didn't say that, but that's, you know, one. Yeah. Could, yeah I just, um, I, I, I think it's hard. I, I know for a fact, I've talked to a lot of members that just hate, hate the fact that he's like, um, you know, goes on the Barstool podcast and talks about golf being kind of lame and, and like kind of a, a, he's a golfer that's the anti-golfer, right. Or, or just wants to wants so badly to be like a pro football player pro baseball player just like you're you're more um i don't know uh conventional jack and, and that's like what he uh probably associates far more with and then golf but like to say he don't like golf like he doesn't play in his own i, I, I don't know that i know that turned off a ton of people did that turn you off too that he just doesn't like it, it's really just the the pro aspect of of winning that he's about and not so much like the enjoyment of of a game what something else that I rolled my eyes at, he said he doesn't practice, but if you follow Claude Harmon on Instagram, he's practicing quite frequently. Yeah. Or at least, but so like, I don't know. I don't like that fake stuff. Like you clearly practice. 
Why are yeah. you pretending to be the guy who rolls up 10 minutes before his tea time and puts his shoes on in the parking lot? Well, the, the, the aspect of his storyline that I really enjoyed and probably just, just made him more relatable to me was early on he struggled and and you know was on the minis like everybody and just wasn't wasn't really happening for him i think he gave q school run once or twice and it didn't didn't work and he went over to the uh euro tour and he played on on their minor leagues to get into the euro tour and he was like grinding over there and i actually had a caddy in carnoustie that was caddying for him for a little while and i thought that was really in and this is before he was a total stud you know, this is, and, and he was just saying, he's like, yeah. if, if this Brooks guy can learn how to chip, he's incredible. He's so solid. He's so solid. The wind never touches his ball. He, he's it got a sweet putt, you know, big dude, but has great hands. And, and that was kind of cool to, to hear that before he got um, popular from a guy that spent a lot of time with him. But I, I found that aspect of him really interesting of, of overcoming that adversity early, but now totally. he, it's, he doesn't celebrate that. People have asked him about it. He doesn't like, he doesn't. He, it's like it never happened. He's like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm Brooks Kepka and I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> that's and I win why, majors. That's why golf started in 2015 for him because but, all those yes. struggles on the foreign tours didn't. Uh, um, he, he blocked it out. Instead of being part of that storyline, he, he more so has blocked it out probably for, you know, that, that uh, trying to make it confidence that's unflappable. But um, yeah, I wish, I wish they would talk about that because that's, that's real, you know, like that's, that's the story. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what are your impressions of uh, weightlifting and golf? Weightlifting I wanted to talk about Bryson golf? next. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I think after this episode drops, you need to be the host because this is how your mind works. You're just a questions guy. I've, I've spent enough time with you to know that. I'll sit on my hands the rest of the, <laughs> rest of the appointment. Um, Bryson is... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't turn him off. I'll just say that every time I know he's gonna hit a tee shot, I'm, I, I drop whatever I'm doing. You know, Mark's hit me on Slack. I'm like, hey, dude, sorry, I gotta watch Bryson roast this one. It's just like it's must watch TV. So yeah, I'm all in. Like I, I think it's great. I do. I think he's. I, th- I think I would very not much not enjoy spending time with him. Um, I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that I, I like just would gravitate towards. But uh, I, I. I don't know. What do you think? I, I, he does humor me. The, the rate at which he added mass to his body is, is comical to me. <laughs> I found myself laughing out loud starting in June when the tour came back. I don't know I, if it, it, I felt like that made people angry even before he started complaining about ant hills and mouthing off. And um, I could see where a guy who is so into the numbers of things can get a little irritating because I mean, you know, how many swing thoughts can you have? And then you have this, this, you know, you have big data for golf. Like I just, it's not, I couldn't manage it all, but, um, you know, I still walk off my yardage, like, you know, like an old timer. I don't use a range finder. I'll guess, really? you know, I've got the caddies pride in me. We'll guess the yardage or just like see the one fifty and, and guesstimate. So, um, Interesting. I'm not a, I, I like the breed. data, but I don't think I could apply it in an actual playing situation. So, yeah, it, it uh, analysis by para- no paralysis by analysis is a very real thing in golf, and I see it all the time. 
I see it all the time. I, I'm, I'm more on your side. I, I do own a laser, but uh, I think more players, amateurs, honestly, more amateurs could really benefit from seeing it and feeling it and, and hitting, hitting the shot. With Bryson and Brooks, ninth green, Stonebridge, it's about to go down. Who, who you got? You know why I do love Bryson? Because Brooks was bullying him pretty much in the media, and he put his money where his mouth is. He got in the gym. You know, you can't – of course, people in the corners of the tour and the fan are going to say he's on steroids, but you know what? You can't get bid from doing steroids. You have to put in an immense amount of work. So I just happen to like that. Like, they're someone bullying him, and he got bigger than the bully. I think that's awesome. <laughs> it, it it is kind of and your... if he never opened his mouth that i would i would say he's awesome so it's uh you, you gotta but, answer the question though ninth green stonebridge they're about to throw down who you got Bryce I'm, Bryce? I'm going i'm definitely going to shambo because you know he's gonna think of some sort of mathematical like if i hit brooks below the kneecap he has more mass above that point of leverage and then he'll topple over and, i think that's how he would get by and i you know I don't know. I just feel like Brooks would react late, and then there's your fight. You know, it's, it's going to be a high school over. fight. It's going to be over quickly. It's yeah, not a principles breaking that one up. This is not a fight that Dana White can sell with like an eight eight round minimum. This yeah, is, uh, Jay Monahan's going to be there before the first first punch is thrown for sure. Um, it is. I I never thought about it that way. He, he did get bigger than the bully, and it, it's like that Johnny Hustle on the on the basketball team who's not the jock. Who just does everything, you know, to the max, and and he just maybe he's just outworking them. I'm uh I'm surprised that he's been able. I mean, I don't know his training regimen, but you'd think if you gained that much mass, you'd lose some uh, mobility. And I feel like that's probably more important than than mass. So that's actually something I'm gonna want to work on. New club member Patrick Johnson was t- telling me about stick mobility. So you can edit out, you know, if, you know, if they didn't pay for this placement, we can edit it out. But uh, no, I think, um, I mean, he must obviously just be doing stretching as well as, as lifting a lot of weight. Cause you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get that big unless you really commit to it. Yeah. Who do you like to root for? So it doesn't sound like these are your favorite golfers out there. No, I do. I do like them. I just think they stick. I mean, I don't take it too personally. You know, (laughs) I'm not like Stan writing these guys letters, you know, from the Eminem song. Stan? Stan, the the, the song Stan by Eminem. You haven't heard it? Oh, oh yeah, of course. That's our childhood. Why don't you, why don't you return my my letters? I think it's fucked up that you don't answer fans. (laughs) That's a dark song. That's a dark. Um, there is some Eminem ones in, in a very dark place. Um, who do I root for? Um, I root for a lot of guys. Um, I, I I just like swings. I think I like Justin Thomas's swing. Uh, that's a pretty cliche pick. Um, no, actually, my favorite is just Dustin. Dustin is just my favorite. He's he's the best. Because he's not trying, you know, and I don't, I think it's mean that people make fun of him for not being very bright or the perception that he's not bright. Who cares? He's yeah. the best person. He's, he's the most skilled person at a skill in the world or was, you know, yeah. like, like I, take, and I just love that. I, I, I'm with you on that. I think, do you, do you, you know, people talk about um, him being obviously a bit um, dim-witted or whatever. And I think, I don't know if it was a rumor or not, but they talk about, uh, Adidas or TaylorMade or whoever the conglomerate 
uh, sports company that puts all their athletes to that that IQ test. You, you know what I'm talking about? Or no, Dustin. I didn't know they did that. So th- this is it. Might just be folklore. I don't know if it's true, but they put their athletes through this test, and and it's really it's supposed to um, simulate game time intelligence. You know, so like just use an example of of basketball LeBron would score very high on this course he's just he's very intelligent athlete meaning like in the moment well I guess Dustin like and and other you know like Premier League soccer players and everything the rumor is Dustin was off the charts like the best score they've ever seen and he just has like almost that savant type uh, intelligence that doesn't come across in in a post-round interview you know with Amanda but yeah <laughs> it's a man that I like that. No, I, I, I like him. And then I like the guys with the same body type as me. I think the taller guys, it's easier to root you know? for, right. And when you see a move yeah. that you can relate. Yeah. So that's always, that's probably always been my thing. That the taller guys, I, I can't relate to the, the, the Ian Woosnams of the world. Sorry. It's just, you know, I've never been, I've never had thick, thick forearms and, you know, been five, been five, eight, Makes but, sense. uh, got to use your imagination a heck of a lot more. And I like, I like that DJ recently uh, at the PGA, you know, Brooks was kind of taking jabs at him too. And he's a buddy and that should, you know, I guess all in jest, but um, man, I started pulling for him even more after that. You know, he's like, he's the other jock getting bullied by the jock. I think Brooks must be now that we're, you are uncovering some, some distaste I have for Brooks Kepka, but, uh, the guy has to be crazy insecure. I'm going to use that word. I think Brooks might be crazy insecure. And uh, DJ, on the other hand, he's like the most secure guy on the tour, man. He got, he's fallen down, you know, fictional stairs. He's, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that's been said about him. And he doesn't let him face, it, face him at all. Yeah. And that's so uh, important. Um, that's actually something you learn in improv a lot is like to stop caring so much. And, um, I'll say, you know, that's certainly in, in high school, you know, if, uh, I'm speaking from my own experience, but just like it, it can, it can weigh on you to a point that you don't even realize, you know, and you, I, you know, I'd strive to get to a point to be as carefree as Dustin Johnson to where he can just execute without any fear of, uh, you know, what people think or, you know, what, what's the consequence if I fall short here? Like, honestly, who cares if you, you know, you shot 80 on the you know final round at, at Pebble beach. Like I'm in the fucking tournament. You're not, you're, you know, <laughs> watching on direct TV, like shut up. Like, you know, why would I care what you think? It's, uh, you, you couldn't qualify for this tournament in a million years and I might win it. <laughs> like, shut up. I don't care what you think. God, that's refreshing. Um, because it's true. It's true. Why? Why would you concern yourself with the haters when you're at that? That you know. I mean, you should be nice to other people. I'm not saying like be dismissive, but like, come on, you know, don't don't get caught up in now armchair quarterbacks assessment of uh, your game. Last superstar we'll talk about is Rory. You you mentioned him. Um, which I just love watching him hit driver. It is just the purest thing. Hard, um, hard to beat that golf swing. But what do you think I, is his uh, – I mean, he was uh, – what is he, a four-time major champ, right? And he hasn't won <laughs> one since freaking forever. Let's, let's, count, let's ask Brooks on Instagram and see if he can help us with the answer. Um, so apparently none of them count. A lot of people pull for Rory. What do you think is holding him back if you had to guess? 
if I had to guess, I would say it's probably a little bit of like fat cat itis, you know, too many trips around the world on the private jet. I mean, it's got to take the edge off a little bit, you, you know? Think, yeah. Um, what I love about him is just, you know, I can never just rip driver totally free. There's always some level of like fear of the big miss. And, you know, he just, he just rips driver like it's a pitching wedge. And I think that's probably the funnest part about his game. Um, I haven't studied the advanced stats enough to really know, but you know, you go to PGA tour.com just to like check on some guy and there's so much data on there now. It's uh, you know, real rabbit hole at work. Um, but um Maybe he's just, maybe he doesn't grind as much anymore. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's achieved a level of success where he's, you know, more into his brand than, than, you know, working on a short game for, for 12 hours a day. I, I don't know. Um, It's gotta, you know, if you come up, I don't know how exactly he came up, you know, it seems like he came up from like a middle-class family, but you know, if you're hungry, First of all, I think these a lot of these guys, and I would feel like it would be just the same, being super motivated and make a lot of money on the tour. Like, that's totally fair. You've got to be able to play better when there's a lot of money on the line. <laughs> Otherwise, you would never be good um, on the tour. Well, so, he, you know, he, I, I... He strikes me as a very sentimental guy and because he's thoughtful, right? You know, he, he gets yeah, for sure. Comedy, he says things. My guess would be that because he's won in the big money, like what you're talking about. I mean, uh, the the FedEx Cup, you know, huge dollars. I think he buys into the storylines. I think he actually listens uh, too well, is my guess. And in that, you know, he knows what winning at Royal Port Rush would mean to the people of Ireland and the people of Northern Ireland. And what does he do? He gets on the first tee, probably. You know, he he and he he says he wasn't nervous. That's what you know. Uh, he's very thoughtful and whatnot, but I, I think I've been there. You have to admit you're nervous. You had the first step is to say, holy shit, I'm nervous. And he pumped two think- balls out of bounds and, and his tournament was over. And it's like, dude, you have to, you have to, to not um, evade the storyline, but you have to like uh, uh, understand it and start to work with it, have that conversation with it and overcome it. But I, I just think in the biggest moments, um, he just keeps telling himself he doesn't care. He cares. He cares more than anybody. That's probably his problem. I think, I think that is, uh, you know, you had so much success early on and that pro- there's probably that pressure to sustain it, which creates that, uh, that feeling of like wanting it too badly. And, you know, that, that's, that was my problem in high school. I wanted to be good too badly. I had nothing else going on. Um, <laughs> you know, if, you know, you have all that success and then like, okay, you go one year without winning a major. It's like, okay, I'll definitely get one this year. And another year, what's it been about four or five years since he's won a major? Yeah, it's been a while. And I'm sure like a small part of him just eats at him every tournament. He wants to get the monkey off his back of winning another major, even though he's like, he's won more majors than probably 98% of the, people who ever punch a tour card yeah oh yeah i mean he's, he's the, the one of the best in the world by far like it's it's incredible i just wish i wish you'd stick around you know longer to be in in the contention because i think a lot of people you're, root for him you're you're definitely right he's a very respectful guy i really like the way that he handles media moments i think he's fair if he you know goes back at another person and you know he doesn't seem to be uh seems to at least appreciate like what the game, you know, what the game can do for young people and, you know, what it has done for him. And um, yeah, I mean, seems like a decent hang. 
what's uh what's the game done for bill colbert i'd be curious to kind of round us out on you know you're a business owner you got a beautiful family um you're just a all-around great dude what what has golf been a big part of you think your success it seems like it's always been a part of your life but what has golf done for you um yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I really got away from it from about 18 because I was so into it. I needed like a break from it for a few years and I got into uh, like competitive road cycling. Um, I think what it's done for me is, you know, I think caddying, uh, you know, I, I would lump caddying in with playing as like a golf experience. So I think, uh, I think, and I didn't realize at the time that was like my first, I really love what I, I loved about caddying was, you know, it was outdoors, it was golf, it was also essentially like uh, self-employment, you know, because you could make, you could work harder and there's a very high correlation between working harder and making more money. You know, your your tips were better, you could go out twice in a day. It was like very much aligned. So I think, now I don't always think working more is better. I, I'm, you know, I will say the four-hour work week is a great way to sort of like you know, not grind yourself to the bone with work and like think a little smarter about how you work. But, um, you know, I think it was good at early on to just like see that correlation between work in and, and results. Cause you know, like freshman year, I like, you know, um, I shot a hundred on the first day of freshman tryouts and I like, I battled back with a, you know, battled back. That's air quotes for these listeners, these listeners, uh, to it for with a 93 on the second day to make like the seventh spot. So, um, but you know, by senior year, I, you know, my the best round I've ever shot is a 70 at Mistwood. So, wow. um, you know, so, but that was in a couple of years and I, I haven't come close to shooting a 70 since, but, um, you know, just, yeah, putting in, putting in the work over and not, not just like short term, not like studying for a test in one eight week period, but like over several years and, and seeing it compound. So that, that's a pretty good formula for, for most endeavors. Yeah. Business or otherwise. Business or otherwise. Well, and, and, uh, you're, you, you know, I know you haven't peaked in anything. I'm sure the grass is, <laughs> is still green ahead. So there's a 69 uh, in my future. You think? I think on so. The golf I, course? I, I, I just have this feeling I, I've seen you, you know, again, I'm going to say it again. Everyone focuses on what, what a good hang you are. What a great guy you are to have in the group. I just see one day you just just blitz in a field, winning one of these big ones that we we casually compete. You know, it's not about solely the competitions, but I just see you know that that you got that game, man. It's gonna it's just gonna go go off one of these days. I do like to compete, and I I think I'm like that irrational confidence guy. Like I am I'm out. Like Mark probably saw it. You know, when we were like I was trying to win the Stableford. You know, <laughs> I wanted to win it. Yeah, and he just I wanted shot 92, you, but you know, he just wanted you to say something funny because we were recording you guys. <laughs> no, but I was like, I'm I'm out to win. Like, <laughs> yeah, Mark, get that camera out of my face. I got to say, I'm I'm winning like, this. Thing. Me and Chandler, we've got like 23 shots, so we could at least win the net <laughs> or the gross, whatever. I don't even remember which one's which, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Well, and I and I glanced over road cycling give us a little bit on that i didn't know that that was a hobby of yours i don't go out very often i raced a, I, I went i did about 25 races in college there's an event called the little 500 that i got into in college it's an indiana university thing was uh, that is that a real just, race i thought that was like a 
drinking thing? It's both. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are 33 teams of four people and they race around a 400 meter track. It's uh, like a dirt track on a single speed bike, the, the likes of which you'd see uh, in the bike lane on Milwaukee Avenue. Um, so you'd train on the road, you'd go to road races. I won the first race I ever entered. Uh, I was in like the beginner division and I just, I didn't even know I'd won. I just thought like, wait, are we done? Like I must've, I, I thought there must've been someone up ahead. Um, I once raced with a, a bumper, an IU bumper sticker pinned to my skin suit because I didn't have an IU sanctioned team Jersey. So I circumvented the rules. This is very Bryson of me. I circumvented the rules to uh, get in the race. I got a lot of dap from, from the other riders. I, I thought did. that was pretty, that's pretty uh, smooth. Edgy. But, uh, edgy. Hey, if, it, it's on your back if you can't see it, you know? So it's like, the, like the tattoo you regret as long as it's on your back. Uh, well, Bill, thanks, man. This has been fun. Thank you. I- Appreciate you coming on the bag drop. Give I us hope a little someone insight. listens to this and, uh, and doesn't regret it. My my wife, I force her to listen to every uh, every podcast, so so she'll uh, she likes to get to know everybody um, that that joins. So she gets to know you a little bit more, and uh, hopefully, I we'll... meant to introduce myself. I, I feel like I saw her at Canal Shores, but I was. Uh, There'll be plenty of opportunities for more for tacos. That. <laughs> many many more more uh, opportunities for that at, at Canal and and elsewhere, but. Uh, No, dude, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by Half Day CBD. Personally, I started using Half Day CBD products a little more than a year ago to assist in three key areas. I use the Half Day oils as part of my bedtime ritual. I like to use the Half Day topical relief creams for my knees, which always start to ache around this time in the golf season. And I use the Half Day CBD gummies as a way to curb some of my first tee jitters before an especially nervy match or tournament. Using the link in our show notes, you can now check out their full line of hemp-derived CBD products. And with the promo code NEWCLUB15, you'll receive an additional 15% off your first order. You'll also see some of the Half Day staffers at our upcoming tournaments and events for the second half of the golf season. So if you're interested in the use of CBD products or just curious about the benefits for yourself, I encourage you to say hello and check them out.